Remember Proud live online smartphones DSTV at 92.7 and 106 FM. It's coming up for 10 minutes after 8 o'clock. The question we're asking tonight on the eve of the most important elections since the 1994 Democratic Breakthrough. Who of you are still not sure where to make your cross? Please do give us a call throughout the show, 011-883-0702. But first, we go to Transnet Board Chairperson, Dr. Popo Mulefe, who has described the capture of the state-owned company as a sophisticated operation put into effect after Brian Mulefe was appointed Chief Executive in 2011. He's, of course, speaking about Transnet. Popomolefe was testifying at the state capture inquiry uh, today, which began with a short opening statement, which described uh, in brief the dire situation they found at Transnet when he and his board were appointed in May 2018. He said the model of state capture at the state-owned utility was built on three basic pillars. He also attributed the corruption at Transnet to three people, former chief executive, Mr. Brian Molefi, Mr. Siabonga Gama, as well as former CFO, Anoj Singh. These are, of course, names that are very familiar to us because both Anoj Singh and Brian Molefi obviously also moved on to ESCOM and we're all aware of the difficulties that the power utility is experiencing. Uh, Dr. Molefi described them as the three key protagonists or architects of state capture at Transnet. Well, joining me on the line now for a brief update on what transpired at the Commission, I am joined by ENCA's political reporter, Aaron Bates. Aaron, good evening. Thank you very much for coming through to us this evening. Karima, good evening and thank you for the opportunity. I must confess, I think I am amongst many people who are still on the fence about who to vote for, for tomorrow. <laughs> uh, but let's stick to transit then. Uh, no, the that, that's absolutely fine. I'll ask you that question at the end of uh, the interview because I'd really like to know what the dilemma is that you're sitting with. And as I said, we'd like people to participate in that uh, discussion with us this evening, 011-883-0702. So Erin, today, before we... Um, go through uh, what Mr. Molefi said. I gave quite a detailed description of how he characterized uh, state capture. Let's just take a, a listen to him speaking about transnets overpaid by millions for trains in dodgy deals. From the investigations that uh, transnet overpaid at least 3.47 million per locomotive. And at most paid 6.2 million per locomotive. Overpaid? Uh, sorry, overpaid, yes. Overpaid by that amount, sorry. Uh, uh, and the conclusion was that Mrs. Uh, uh, Molefe, Brian Molefe, B.S. Gamma, Singh, and Gianni had failed in discharging their fiduciary duties uh, in the acquisition of. Uh, uh, hundred locomotives for China South Rail. Um, the fiduciary duties uh, being one that requires care and diligence. Um, so, uh, and these are the things that show that willfully people could just ignore uh, the rules. Now, that is quite a damning statement, Erin. Uh, Overall, what was your impression of 
the way in which Mr. Uh, Dr. Mulefi chose his words to describe uh, the way in which state capture happened. I mean, it sounds to me like an exact, uh, exact replica of what happened at ESCOM. It certainly does. And my sense is that the scale of the uh, corruption and graft at Transnet is much bigger, yes. in fact, than what we saw at ESCOM. And he speaks about a paralysis that the existing board found uh, at Transnet when they arrived in May last year. Also talking about this horror show in terms of the flouting of governance yes. and law when it comes to Transnet's uh, management of contracts and signing off agreements. And I actually felt at times a paralysis too, at just the enormity of the kinds of allegations he's talking about. I mean, at the end of his uh, testimony in, in the later afternoon, Molete describing one instance in relation to a singular deal uh, yes. where they're trying to recover over 7 billion rand in lost monies, the majority of which he says is out of South African jurisdiction. The stuff is galling, it's devastating, and it reflects the erosion of governance in SOCs, as we've heard with ESCOM, the night, the eve of a very important national election. And I cannot emphasize that enough. We've had 10 months of evidence of the state capture yes. inquiry. We've had serious allegations of corruption, naming seniors in the governing party in the cabinet of the African National Congress. And I think that may well be top of mind for many supporters of the ANC historically when people go to the polls tomorrow. Absolutely. Now, of course, the, the scale of what happened at Transnet is, uh, is quite staggering. Uh, there are three characters who uh, are popping up. The one is Anoj Singh, the other one is Siabonga Gama and Brian Mulefe. Now, if one removes Siabonga Gama from the equation, he was eventually fired. Uh, but if you look at Anoj Singh and Popo Mulefe, uh, or rather uh, Brian, Brian Mulefe, these are two people that went on to other state institutions and wreaked havoc there uh, as well. How damning has the um, information been that has come out against these two particular individuals? And uh, a lot of people are speculating that after the elections, law enforcement agencies are getting ready to move. Um, in how much trouble is Brian Mulefe and Anoj Singh, Erin? Uh, well, certainly Molefe, and that is Brian Molefe, had counsel at the state capture inquiry today. We haven't heard from Anush Singh's counsel, either in relation to this evidence or the testimony we heard on ESCOM, but you're quite right. There seems to be an established MO, a modus operandi, uh, which was employed at ESCOM and at Transnet, and we see some of the same players at both. I think certainly there are devastating allegations here. The inquiry's legal team, including Advocate Marshape Selo, tabling 17 reports with some 26,000 pages, including the appendices, mm -hmm. on investigations by legal teams into the corruption at Transnet. And uh, Popo Molefe today actually being quite frank at times, saying mm. he was frustrated that Transnet lawyers were saying we must couch this in allegations of corruption and claims of malfeasance. And him saying... No, look at the reports, look at the facts. Things have gone profoundly wrong here. People have committed corruption and money was paid often to private sector entities for simply no work done. And it sounded to me at times like he'd really gotten to a point of being fed up 
and also then express some optimism, citing President Cyril Ramaphosa's leadership and the so-called New Dawn. So him giving the ANC a last little punch there. Um, as a former politician, one probably wouldn't expect much less mm. uh, just before the election tomorrow. Now, he also spoke about those who committed uh, were committed to the agenda of advancing state capture. Let's take a listen uh, to what he had to say, because I think people don't realize how big a part and a big paradigm state capture is in which one needs to frame the current political setup in South Africa. Those who are committed to the agenda advancing the capture of state-owned companies, which translate broadly into state capture, would seek to turn, would bring in first their own cronies. They surround themselves with cronies where they are not able to uh, and then they seek to turn those who are there but were not their cronies they seek to turn them into cronies and when there is a resistance from those upon which an attempt is made to turn them into cronies they then remove them from the positions that they are holding and make them redundant Now, Erin, we've heard this over and over and over. The academics who wrote The Betrayal of the Promise uh, described this. We heard this during uh, Parliament as well. Uh, Effectively, they tried to bribe people. Uh, Those who were greedy, those who had no ethics, no morals, uh, went for it. Others who resisted had uh, cases brought against it. We heard what happened to Robert McBride. We heard what happened to Johan Boyson. And, and at ESCOM, it's, uh, or rather at Transnet, it seemed no different. They did precisely the same thing. Certainly, and I think one of the things that maybe should uh, sound out as a kind of warning is that Mulefe intimated that this kind of cronyism or different cliques within mm. SOCs and other state-owned uh, or other state entities isn't unique to one era of the ANC's administration. Yes. And perhaps that's something we need to bear in mind moving forward. Uh, but there, just on the tail end of, of that clip you've just played, Karima, um, he spoke, for example, about an engineer at Transnet who yes. has been working with the SOC for 21 years. Uh, Mulefe's testimony is that engineer was weeded out because he was resistant to being roped into this mm. cronyism that was rampant and was replaced with someone whose qualification was as a teacher. Mm. In another instance, in the morning's testimony, he spoke about how money flowed to friends once employees had been placed within governance structures and transnet, right from the top down to the acting CFO and CEO. And there he said that in some cases, they would purposefully weaken the skill base They would then outsource some of the work or they would hire people who had the veneer of skills and education, Mm. something so highly valued in a country where historically people were denied tertiary education and skills development. And he said there the problem was that the people with this veneer of skills and training lacked ethics and morals. So while on paper they might appear to be great appointments to something like Transnet, in fact, because their moral compasses were so skewed, if existent at all, they then made wrong decisions and allowed billions of rand to flow out of translate into the wrong hands. You know, when I interviewed former uh, Finance Minister Trevor Manuel on state capture, he said, you know, we all focused on the big four, McKinsey, um, Trillion, uh, uh, rather KPMG and so on, uh, um, and rightly so. 
but he made the point that they were external auditors. We we didn't look at the boards, the non-executive members of the boards who uh, were chartered accountants. No money can leave an account if a chartered accountant doesn't sign it off, if your CFO doesn't sign it off. Um, and, and, and this is essentially the point. I mean, if one looks at the, the, the scale of what someone like Anoj Singh did, because he, of course, was the CFO. Uh, um, and then, of course, there were... Um, you know, other characters who played a really, really important role in defrauding uh, state-owned companies. Salim Essa, for example, uh, um, and Iqbal Sharma uh, are also part of this set of characters. Let's hear what Dr. Molefe had to say about their role uh, in some of uh, the kind of uh, jobs for pals and contracts for friends. The, the chairman of the the board acquisition and disposals committee at the time uh, was a man called Iqbal Sharma who was a business associate of Salim Esa who owned uh, maybe if not 100% but uh, a majority huge majority stake in Tequestra Um, and the money therefore arising out of uh, the contract awarded by Mr. Iqbal Sharma on on Mr. Iqbal Sharma's recommendations uh, to the board uh, found its way, part of that found its way uh, to the company of his business associate, Mr. Salim Esa. Now, Salim Essa is a character who constantly appears. I mean, if one looks at Denal, for example, uh, if you look at ESCOM, if you look at, you know, uh, all of these state institutions, uh, some people went uh, around uh, talking when they described Salim Essa, he described himself, uh, you know, as the as the prime minister and as the head of the deployment committee because uh, he got everything that he wanted um, Salim Essa, does he have legal representation at the commission? Does he intend to cross-question anybody? Is he coming coming to give evidence or is he also gone in the wind? Karima, for the time being, there's a radio silence when it comes to Salim Essa. And from what I understand, Arta, for example, is really digging deep into the Gupta Leaks uh, database to uh, follow the trail of emails and uh, negotiations between ESSA and members of the Gupta family and their business associates around all of these different deals with the likes of Danelle, Eskom and Transnet. He certainly is a prominent figure. He comes up time and again. Yeah. Uh, and I've, in fact, heard of him being characterized as the great brain behind uh, the Gupta's business empire with South mm. African entities. So he certainly has a lot to answer for in terms of the evidence we've heard, but whether or not he's going to make a, an appearance or perhaps even argue as the Guptas did that he is willing to talk but only via video link uh, remains to be seen. And what about Mr. Iqbal Sharma? He's another person who constantly appears and reappears. This 
are these are people who sat at the inner circle of the Gupta Empire, the criminal enterprise associated with the family uh, that had the ear of the president and, of course, whose son was the direct link because he was a director in many of these companies and also a business associate of Salim Issa. I mean, if one, uh, we, we're talking here about transit and what Dr. Molefe had to say, uh, but, I mean, Erin, you've been covering state capture and there's been cross-references to these individuals in relations to almost every state-owned uh, enterprise and, and, and company. Where does Mr. Iqbal Sharma uh, fit in in the sense of uh, being held accountable? Is he also just kind of uh, missing in the wind? Uh, because these are these are the, the real close, close accolades of the of the Zuma family. Um, we've seen ANC people kind of blustering and making uh, noise about coming to cross-question people. Uh, but these people have been, people like Iqbal Sharma, people like, like Salim Issa, have, have gone com- completely quiet. I mean, they, they are probably out of the country and probably in countries where we won't be able to get a hold of them. Yes, I think uh, at least in Iqbal Shama's case, he has had counsel present at some of the proceedings. For example, when we heard about the null and allegations of state capture there, he did have legal representatives. He himself has not shown face as yet. And if you want to talk about people being sort of blatantly absent from the commission, of course, the Guptas too have really gone to ground since some initial negotiations or uh, presentations by their counsel at the commission. Uh, You know, in contrast with that, at least former President Jacob Zuma has time and again made comment on the state capture inquiry. If it's simply the same line to say there's nothing against him, the inquiries keep digging into claims of allegations of corruption against him and find nothing. Uh, But certainly in terms of uh, Essa and the Guptas, nothing as yet. Sharma has had counsel at some of the proceedings uh, and there's no indication as yet whether any of them wish to cross-examine witnesses. Okay, uh, Erin, I'm going to move into the other question, the question I'll be asking our listeners tonight. (laughs) On the eve of the election... Uh, many people are still not decided on who they're going to vote for. And you said you are one of those people. Tell me why. I think, Karima, some of that is defined by my profession. Uh, I feel very strongly that uh, voting in South Africa is vital. Many people gave so much for us to have this uh, right and responsibility as members of a democratic dispensation and for that reason I feel it is important for me to go to the polls and follow through with my registration but I don't even know if I should be voting for a party or perhaps out of you know some kind of sense of despair at where we are as a country spoiling my vote Mm. but that too seems like a bit of a cop-out so Mm. I'm going to leave this interview tonight and go through articles and coverage on ENCA uh, trying to figure out what to do with my right and my responsibility as a citizen uh, in light for example of all of the shocking claims and the evidence I've heard over the last 10 months at the Zondo Commission. Erin thank you so very much for sharing that with us that is Erin Bates political reporter at ENCA who has been covering state capture and who's been kind enough to share her observations with us and she's one of the people that says she knows the importance of voting she knows that we shouldn't uh, spoil our vote, that people gave their lives for us to have a democratic dispensation Uh, but she's still going to use the last couple of hours to think about who exactly she's going to vote for or whether she's going to